This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Watch Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a mostly pleasant Thursday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, where, of course, on Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, Tennessee will host South Carolina in a big, big, big game for the Vols. There's no two ways about this. If Tennessee wants to remain in the race for the Southeastern Conference Eastern Division title, the Vols need to avoid going 0-2 in league play. South Carolina, of course, being the team that uh, kept Tennessee out of the college football playoff last season. Should be lots of motivation, even though Tennessee has not talked about that all week. The Vols have been very coy uh, in talking about just focusing on uh, this game and how last season that doesn't help you thinking about all that. So fair enough. I think we all know otherwise. I I think Tennessee uh, knows very well what South Carolina did to its its 2022 season, and Tennessee certainly does not want South Carolina to do anything similar to its 2023 season. So the Vols need to need to take uh, advantage of this opportunity. You're at home. You're at Neyland. You're at night. Uh, you're wearing the, the the blackout dark mode jerseys. Should be a fun one. How are you? I hope you're well. I should have said that at the beginning. I hope everybody is doing all right out there. I hope you're uh, hope your 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 life has not lost existence as mine have with the Chicago Cubs in the past two days. Uh, the Braves have taken their souls and uh, stepped on them, and uh, pretty much I, I think ended their season. We we might disagree on that, but uh, I think that's the case. Anyways, I hope you're doing better than that. And it's not just me on this episode. We got Patrick Brown. We got Ryan Callahan. We don't have Ben McKee because Ben is out doing a a baseball slash basketball activities this afternoon. But we got the other two guys with us. Pat, Ryan, what's up, guys? Ben is allegedly doing these things. We we don't know what he's doing. That's true. Um, He might just be blowing us off. Is it like a... Blowing off his podcast and just... Saying screw you guys, I'm going home. It's like uh, Will Ferrell uh, talking about his mom there. Uh, I, I never know what she's doing back there. I never know what she's doing back there. That that's what Ben is, I guess. Yep, he could be doing anything, but uh, yeah, doing okay. And uh, yeah, it, it it feels like. I mean, it doesn't feel like Alabama week, but it feels like a week of an important game. It feels like feels like fans are kind of on edge a little bit this week, not really knowing what to expect. It seems like there's a sort of uncomfortable nervous tension there about this week so you know it's a it's an important game so so looking forward to this one yeah it's kind of a familiar feeling though for people for for Tennessee fans of a certain age that go into a season expecting to compete for championships and then you 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 get an early season loss to Florida which kind of puts your back against the wall for the rest of the season now that hit a little bit different in the era where we all knew Tennessee was going to be around 500 right there was those few years where you just kind of knew Nah, you lost to Florida again. I mean, you know, you expected to. Now your season is where it is. It hits a little different, though. This reminds me of those Tennessee teams that, you know, under Fulmer that were competing, thought they were were competing for championships and then lost to Florida. And then basically that removed their margin for error for the rest of the year. And those times were different because Georgia wasn't what it is now and, and all that stuff. Alabama wasn't is what it is now. So so it's different, but it kind of feels similar to me in that regard. Like Tennessee, those of us of a certain age, Pat, we've seen this before. Well, Wes, I'm not going to claim to be 
the certain age that you are. Um, and, and I've been thinking about it this week, and I think it's a lot like last season, the the Florida game. Um, obviously, that Tennessee went to Pitt and and won that game. They didn't go to Florida and win this game, uh, win that game this season. But you know, it's it's the end of the, the the first stretch of your schedule. You know, Tennessee had an open date after the Florida game last season. They're at home. Uh, they're around a ten point favorite. They're probably the better team on paper. Um, but there's just you know, I, I think some of the edginess, some of the nervousness last season going into the Florida games because it's Florida. We know Tennessee doesn't play great against Florida. Um, and in this game, it's about what happened in this game last season because Tennessee fans still remember Spencer Rattler throwing 400-something yards and six touchdowns. I mean, uh, they remember that going south very quickly, um, and, and it's not a stretch to you know think it could happen again. I mean, I'm sure Spencer Rattler is watching film this week and saying, hey, I, these guys are all still here. I threw, I lit up these guys last season. So that's not going to – you know, he, he's going to be going into this game confident based on that, based on how he's playing. Um, but, you know, night games in this league are – uh, night road games in this league are really tough. So, uh, but I, I do think there's an edge to it because, um, you know, for all the steps that Tennessee took last season, uh, for the first month of this season, which began with you being ranked around the top 10, you're talking about winning the SEC East, you could be pretty much out of the division race by the end of September, which w- would be a big blow. You would have lost to two teams that you beat last season, two programs that you seem to have passed and now they've come back this season and, and beat you. And in this case, South Carolina would be ending your 11 game home winning streak. They would be going into Neyland at night and winning. So um, those would be uncomfortable positions for Tennessee to be in. And so I think that's why there's uh, some of that anxiousness and, and some of the edginess too. But, you know, we'll see if that plays out in the stands on Saturday or if it's going to be a hornet's nest, which is what I think it will be. I think uh, it's interesting listening to Vol calls on Wednesday night where for the first time you heard somebody mention that it was okay to think about last season. It was Heupel talking about the fans. Like he doesn't want his team focusing on that loss to South Carolina last season, but he wants Tennessee fans remembering it and using it to uh, make it really hard on the Gamecocks to, to function and, and operate well on offense. So uh, it, it's, it's an important game for Tennessee, no doubt. Uh, I don't know if it's a must win. It's a must win if you want them in the East. Yes. But um, I still think this league is competitive enough and there's enough season left where, yeah, if you lost this game, the season's not over. You got seven, what, seven games left. Um, there's still a chance for you to go out and, and have a good season. But um, certainly going into your open date and into October at four and one is going to feel a whole lot different than three and two. So uh, Tennessee really needs to win this football game. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've been this week. You know, it's it's not a must win, um, but I think to I think to Tennessee fans, it feels like one. Uh, I, I think this is one of those swing games in the season that could. Uh, you know, send send the season down two very different paths, at least in in fans' minds. I I, I agree, Patrick. I mean, the, the way the SEC is this year, who's to say Tennessee couldn't lose this game, bounce right back after the open date, beat Texas A and M, heck, maybe even beat Alabama on the road. You you don't know, but um, and obviously could, could beat Kentucky uh, you know next month in, in Lexington. It, even if you lose to Alabama, you're still looking at maybe going into November with with, with three losses and a, and a, and a and a good chance of going eight and four. So it's not like this would be a, a devastating blow to Tennessee season, but what it would do is, as, as I kind of laid out there, it takes, it, it makes that nine and three <laughs> that a lot of people were kind of thinking was um, sort of a baseline for this season, a little harder to envision. And, and it, and it makes this season feel like um, a, a missed opportunity or to some fans, probably a failure if they, if they have two losses before the end of September. So I think this is a huge game for Tennessee for just the perception of the program. You know, like you said, kind of building on what they did last year, trying to establish themselves as one of those top teams in the SEC. You know, while some traditional powers like Florida and Auburn are not not quite back, you know, you want to you want to capitalize on that opportunity. And this is a, a, a game that would help them do that. You lose this, you lose to South Carolina two years in a row. You know, we've said it before, going back to the Butch Jones era, this is one of those games that um, you know, just like Kentucky, just it's not a good thing when you lose either one of those games because it's about it's it's about SEC East uh, <laughs> for for whatever life it has left. Um, it's about the the hierarchy within the division and sort of establishing yourself as that you know one of those main contenders to Georgia and the SEC. If you lose this game, it's hard to say that you're that you're one of those teams uh, going forward, at least for now. So uh, I, I think perception wise and for fans, it's a huge game. But uh, you know, to your point. I don't think the season's over if they lose it, but it, it kind of feels that way, I think, because of the way this month has gone and the fact that Tennessee's offense hasn't lit up the scoreboard the way some fans were kind of hoping it would continue to this year. 
they they want us they need to at least see some signs of life this weekend you know win or lose i think they need to come away from this game feeling better about tennessee's offense for for the rest of this season not to feel like her things maybe spiraling downward yeah i think that that it's um you get a vibe going into the week a lot of times you kind of have to read between the lines but if you read between the lines just a little bit you can really pick up on a vibe from from the things people say and, and the things coaches and players say. And, you know, Heupel saying that he doesn't want his team to think about last season, but he wants Tennessee fans to think about last season in Columbia and and how much he, you know, you, hear, you heard him on ball calls talking about how much he wants the noise. You, you know, Ryan was at the, the quarterback club on Monday when Kelsey Pope kind of came out very early and said, hey, guys, we need your noise. We need you this weekend. Like it's kind of a circle rally around the flag. Let's 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 uh, kind of be together and let's get this one um, because you know the as tough as things are for this offense. Uh, the past few games, it's been on the road. When it's at home, you that means you really can't mess up these opportunities, right? You really can't let these slip through your fingers. And w- with all due respect to Sanford Stadium. And there's no argument here that the Georgia program right now is the top program in college football. A night game at Neyland Stadium and a 3.30 game at Sanford Stadium are not the same thing. So South Carolina has dealt with plenty of road animosity this season. South Carolina has played and will play maybe the toughest schedule in college football. It's certainly up there. It's a really, really brutal schedule. Uh, Certainly South Carolina went to Athens and for one half completely outplayed Georgia in every facet of that game. If you go back and watch it, that was not a um, that wasn't a fluky deal. That that was there wasn't trick plays. You know there wasn't any of the flea flickers or special teams big thing. There was South Carolina just outplayed Georgia in Sanford Stadium for a half, and then obviously in the second half Georgia came out and completely just blew South Carolina's doors off and, and won by a couple scores. But you know that you've seen this team should be coming to Neyland Stadium with confidence. And it's one of those weeks where you really feel like Tennessee, when, when coaches and players at a place like Tennessee are reminding and imploring the fans to make noise, that tells you, I think, what kind of what kind of advantage they want the crowd to give them. I mean, it's it's big every week. It feels really big in this one because of the potential uh, of what Rattler can do with that offense and some of those playmakers. Well, I think it's also Tennessee's recent history of, with night road games. I mean, they went to Columbia last season. It was loud. It wasn't Georgia loud, um, but that crowd was really into that game that night, and and that's a tough place to play at night. Uh, you know, Shane Beamers, I think, got them pretty revved up for those those atmospheres. They were pretty good in those those situations mm-hmm. last season. Um, and then Tennessee went to Florida two weeks ago, and, and the crowd was a factor. They Tennessee wants the crowd to be a factor in their favor in this game. So uh, I I think that's probably why you've seen the push because Tennessee is has seen what it's like. You know, they've gone on the road. Uh, for night games, their past two times and have, have made a bunch of mistakes and lost. So, you know, they kind of want the the tables to be turned, and so uh, it's pretty standard for coaches to ask their crowd to be in the game. I don't, I don't, I don't think Tennessee fans need it. Um, and and Heupel has said that you know the the crowd's been good every week. I mean, Tennessee's won 11 straight home games. They were really good at home last season. Yes. So, um, they they need that to continue. And uh, this is their first big game at home. No offense to Austin P or uh, UTSA, but. This is, you know, you're you're wearing the dark modes. It's an SEC game. Uh, you you want this to be what you've experienced in your favor. So, uh, and I think it will be. I think uh, whatever nerves will turn into different emotions for Tennessee fans who will be there. Um, uh, you know, the, we've all seen night games at the stadium. We all know that they can get really loud and really exciting and and really hard to play in for the visiting team and. Um, it all it's all kind of building off each other and you know you know look at last season they they went to dark mode they played Kentucky and Kentucky got buried I mean that game was a, an absolute blowout so uh, Tennessee would love for that to happen again and they're gonna need the crowd to, to be as good as it was that night and, and in some of those other games last season where they made a difference I, I think to know how important this game is to Tennessee and how, how how big they thought it was even before the season just look at what's happening this weekend 1998 national championship teams being celebrated. 25th uh, 25 year reunion for that team. yeah but i don't think they did that like two weeks ago if they lost to florida it's like oh we need we need some more juice yeah they, like, no no they, they planned that thing where like all the all the teams who have you know the 10 year yeah. 20 year 25 year 30 well, 40 50 it, year well the, the it's the 25th year thing and two they probably looked at the home schedule this year and said okay georgia's the big one but south carolina's next and and the, recruiting 
that we're going to talk yep. about later, Ryan, the crudy, the, you know, just a little bit of recruiting I helped you with over the summer. It was like, everybody was either like, I'll definitely be there for Georgia. And then I, or I might go for South Carolina. That's, those are the two games that everybody seemed to have circled. Yeah, no, I, that, that's what I was getting at. Like, it's just a, it, it's a big game. I, I think just, it's an easy one to, to, to draw people to because, you know, South Carolina is a, uh, seen as as a as an up, a little bit of an up and coming program, the way they've been recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not to the same degree Tennessee is because Tennessee had you know had the ten win season last year, but it's the way South Carolina finished last year, the way they're recruiting, it's it, it's a program that's strong some attention and and yeah, it's it's one that I think a lot of people see as an important game and uh, and and I think they just knew from the start it would be it would likely be a big one in Tennessee's season and, and yeah, as opposed to uh, having them come in for the Georgia game. You know, probably made more sense for, for this one. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think I think all that happening in one weekend, a, a night game, uh, it, it would be a surprise if the atmosphere is not not pretty fantastic and the uh, and, and the dark mode uniforms probably only add to it. So yeah, it's it's a team that I think will be ready to play. I, I think it's interesting that Josh Heupel. I mean, I'm not surprised one bit that he's saying publicly that that he you know obviously doesn't want it being said uh, that you know doesn't want it being talked about how how much last year's game is, is on their minds. But it seems to me that like maybe even behind closed doors, he's kind of wanting his team to not be, not go into this game trying to feed off emotion. He, he seems to want them to, to be uh, a less emotional team and, and play, play soundly and, and intelligently and without as much emotion uh, that we'll, we'll see how much that, that ends up being the case and, and whether that's something that they admit after the fact, no, that we were just, putting on a front, you know, but it seems like he's, he's wanting to sort of downplay this to his team to maybe keep them from being too emotional um, because you can make mistakes when you play with emotion. You can, you can be flying all over the field and over pursue or whatever. Um, you don't want to do that. You want to play smartly. And it seems like he's maybe encouraging his team to play that way and not, not so much just feed off last year. Yeah. And you know, you're going to get enough juice from a night game at Neyland stadium anyway, and in the light show and, and coming out through the teeth and the new way they do it with the lights and everything. And the dark mode jerseys and the crowd having a full day to kind of get, uh, you know, uh, uh, lubricated for this, uh, for this game. I mean, you're, 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 you're going to have, you, it's going to be quite an atmosphere. So maybe you get enough energy from that, that you don't need to combine that with, some emotion from last year and then you're getting over pursuing giving up big plays having a lot of you know procedural penalties maybe even having some 15 yarders in the mix you know god knows what someone like Kamal had could do when he's too fired up to play i mean you know things things happen right things happen out there on the field um, but i think for perception uh, this is certainly a big one because and i've said this before when you're tennessee and you're trying so hard to go out there and you know, close that gap on the Georgias and Alabamas. You you can't while you're doing that. You can't lose sight of the teams behind you that that are trying to pass you. Like South Carolina beat you a second year in a row. That all of a sudden you're talking. To, you, the conversations change from okay, is this program you know ready to really kind of compete with Alabama and Georgia consistently again? And it becomes wait, South Carolina is it going in a better direction than Tennessee? Like you lose to the Gamecocks two years in a row. Those kinds of conversations are going to happen. I think when you look at recruiting and other things, that's probably not the reality of the situation. But at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. And if you've lost two years in a row to South Carolina, they've come into your home and ended your winning streak. That is not great for perception, and that will make fans angry. And if you don't know that or don't believe that, you just don't understand the SEC. Well, well, one one point on that. I mean, looking back at the records, these teams have split the last eighteen yep, meetings. Eighteen. I mean that 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 just shows you this this has become kind of the oh, at least over the past eighteen years the most important swing game on Tennessee's schedule. During that time, you know, and, and it kind of in Tennessee's downturn kind of started in 2005. Um, they're obviously on the upswing now, but during that, that the whole course of that time, the most even series they've had in, in SEC play has not been obviously Florida, hasn't been Kentucky. They've dominated that one. It's been South Carolina. So this is a good kind of barometer of what kind of season it's going to be historically. A lot of those times Tennessee's won this game. They, they've gone on to have a pretty good year. A lot of times they've lost. It's been part of a pretty miserable year. So. Um, this is clearly one of those games that, that's going to d- determine the direction of your season, especially being played early like this. You don't want to go into an open date for sure, having this one to dwell on uh, for two weeks of what I'm sure would be a pretty miserable fan base if they were to lose this game. 
Yeah, and I think there's a lot of other things to discuss as well about um, where Tennessee is from a health standpoint because we can talk about emotion and we can talk about you know the the passion that you need, the discipline that you need, the the sort of X's and O's of, of things, and and not letting Spencer Rattler go wild. And lost in all that is the fact that there are several players on this team that ended last week's game banged up. And a, a really important player, Cooper Mays, has not played this season. There are um, the receiver core, especially last week, had a lot of bumps and bruises on it. The running backs, a couple guys there, little little nicks and bruises. There are some issues that, you know, John Campbell missed the second half of that game or most of the second half of that game last week, too. There's lots of those things, and I think we need to discuss those things. But before we do that, we're going to step away for just a second and get to a break, and then we'll come back. uh, And after those product services, in-house ads, et cetera, we'll come back and have the discussion about what Josh Heupel said Thursday about injuries, uh, which is always something fun to talk about, uh, and then what it actually means, what we've actually heard, and some injury news from South Carolina, too, that is important. So let's get to all that after we get to this break here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown and Ryan Callahan coming to you from other locales here in the Knoxville area where, of course, in two days' uh, time, Tennessee will host South Carolina Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Big, big game for Tennessee. Big game for South Carolina, too. Lots and lots that we've already discussed about it. Lots more that we will discuss about it. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, quick request from our end, guys. Please take about a minute out of your day and go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out even more than that, though, is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. Uh, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. Do this for free. Happy to do it. Labor of love. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell, Give us that give us that five-star rating. Give us that five-star rating. And then tell your friends about it. Tell people that, that are not your friends. Tell people you see just wearing orange somewhere. Tell, we, we've had people become friends with each other by recommending this podcast. We've had people tell random strangers that they've seen in Tennessee gear about this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. And I'm telling you, the numbers this month have blown up. We've had some really good months the, the past few years, but but this is, I think, going to be the biggest month we've had, and y'all are the reason for that. Nothing to do with us. It's y'all telling each other. It's y'all rating and reviewing and subscribing. It's all the stuff y'all are doing to help us. So please keep doing that. And if you've already been doing that, thank you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Injuries, guys. Injuries. Uh, That's always something that we like to get information about. That's something fans want to get information about and something that coaches uh, at the college level very rarely give uh, to an accurate level for for reasons that uh, mostly make sense, sometimes don't, but but oftentimes do. Regardless, Josh Heupel told us on Thursday morning, he, he told all of us here, and, and Ben, who, who bailed on this podcast but, but was there this morning for Heupel's presser, he heard it too. Heupel said all the guys who missed the end of that game last week against UTSA have looked good this week. And Cooper Mays, he said, has looked, quote, great, end quote, 
this week and uh, that he hopes uh, that a lot of those guys or all those guys will have a chance to play Saturday night. What that means, we don't know. We've learned to, to laugh at these things. We don't know what Heupel says compared to what the reality of the situation is, but he said a lot of those guys are going to be game-time decisions, but that he feels good about it. So what do y'all make of that? Are you putting any stock in what he said, or have you heard something that that um, that supports or sort of contrasts with that? What's what's the word, fellas? Uh, well, I'm probably going to put everybody as questionable on the injury report on Friday uh, for the most part. Uh, maybe not guys like Elijah Simmons and you know Christian Charles is out for a while and um, but uh, I I brought well I might put Brew McCoy as probable uh, and I think Joe Milton will play obviously he's he's a guy that wasn't talked about on Thursday but you know we'll have to see if he's wearing anything on his knee and if if there's any lingering things that may keep him from being 100 percent probably no one's 100 percent at this point in the season in reality mm-hmm. um, that's just kind of how the sport is but um, I think you know no issue with really those two guys. Um, Jalen Wright and Ramel Keaton were the question were the, the most questionable ones for me coming out of last week, just because of the nature of, of how they went out of the game. Uh, those are going to be the two that I'm going to be most interested in seeing. I think John Campbell will be fine. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Dom Dominic Bailey was, was got another guy got hurt. I've seen him walk around campus. He seems fine. Yeah. Uh, this week. So, um, really mainly, mainly those are the only two, but um and obviously we'll, we'll have to see with cooper i know i know ryan will ryan thinks cooper will start yeah did, didn't 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 ryan make a mortal lock guarantee about that didn't he stake his entire reputation think, on that claim i think he bet his mortgage on cooper yeah, may start that's what i heard that's so, what i heard uh um, but i, think I just can, i think you can go I, ahead and pencil in cooper is probable at, at the least uh it's my injury report and not yours uh i might just go <laughs> bella and list them all as questionable yeah some um, somebody extremity questionable <laughs> but like like I said, I mean, uh, I don't put too much stock in the um, Hypo Thursday injury updates after what happened with uh, Cooper Mays a couple weeks ago, um, and, and that you know that's a whole other thing that I'm I'm sure we've beaten in the ground. But um, you know, it's just you know everybody's questionable. We'll see when we get to warm ups who's out there and who's not because. Uh, there's always some surprises. You know, no one, no one. I don't think anybody saw Danico Slaughter coming. Uh, him missing the Florida game. Obviously, Correct. there was the Gerald Mincy, Mincy situation. So, um, it's it's everybody's questionable, and we'll see in warmups. Is going to be my uh, canned response to injury questions from this point forward. Uh, the the ones I would have the biggest questions about are are Jalen Wright, maybe just because of the the nature of of that one, and and also Ramel Keaton, like you said, because just just because you don't know there's it's not always something you can just play through, you know, it, sometimes it's either it's, it's a fairly black right. and white thing it's, or either right. you're cleared or you're not. So, so we'll, we'll see about those. I haven't heard a lot of concern this week uh, about those guys, but, uh, but that, that doesn't always mean anything coming from, <laughs> from this program, which obviously tries to, to keep a lot of that injury information in house. Um, but, but yeah, I, 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 it feels like most of those guys are going to be back this week. So I think Tennessee should be, uh, despite being a, a bit banged up, you know, closer to full strength, the the bigger question actually might be Danico Slaughter still. You know, we'll see if he's back after sitting out last week. You know, I I, I haven't heard anything one way or the other on on whether he will be back this week. So that that's one to keep an eye on in pregame warmups as well. But I I could see that one being at least a bit of a toss up still. Um, we'll see. I, I'm I'm pretty confident Cooper Mays is going to start Saturday, so I I don't have as as many questions about that one. But the other ones, you know, we'll. we'll We'll see. There's always a, a possibility that one of those was being downplayed a bit throughout the week, but it sounds like for the most part, um, they're they're fairly confident they're going to have a um, you know almost every everyone back, if not all of those guys. Yeah. And, and if you're if you're Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee fan and you're worried that you might not have a starting receiver and a starting running back, the upside is if Jalen Wright doesn't play, there's a really good chance Tennessee doesn't forget that Dylan Sampson is on the roster. Yep. Which I think could be to their advantage. Um. He that guy that guy needs the football like fifteen times a game. I mean, it's not rocket science here. I, I think I think um, right I think Wright needs more touches still, but I think Samson needs a lot of touches. And that's not to say Jabari Small has been bad. I don't think he has. It's just Dylan Samson's been good when he's gotten the chance. Um, and, and at receiver, it seems like they they have confidence in Caleb Webb and, and Caleb Webb and backed him up last week. So who am I to to, uh, to say you shouldn't? You know, that's not how you should view it. So. Uh, and, and, you know, Brew McCoy, I, I think at some point he's going to have a big game. I, I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's A&M. 
uh, at some point that guy is going to go off for eight catches for 150 yards and going to have some big plays. He's going to run some guys over. It, uh, it's just going to, you know, and if, if Ramel doesn't play and, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ramel didn't play, everyone saw what happened last week. It was scary when he hit the ground that the way he did. Yeah, it was. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, they, they've got guys who can step up and, um, you know, but we'll see. We'll have to see if those guys play. One thing that I did hear, and I think this is important to note, it's more of a general thing than, than like a specific thing about any number of players. But what I heard was that between Sunday afternoon and like Monday morning, things looked a lot better overall than people were worried about. Like there were guys that that they that I heard from a couple different people that Monday morning when they come in get some lifts in and everything, guys walking around, moving around. There were several guys who looked a lot better than Tennessee staff was kind of worried about Sunday. So I, I don't I don't know what that means about each specific player. I can't tell you that because they keep that under lock and key pretty well most of the time. But I think there was just much more optimism. There was a lot of concern Saturday night. There were still some concern Sunday. And then Monday morning, guys start coming in, and then you get a really good feel for, okay, where are these guys? And some of them were – several of them apparently looked much better than people thought. So that doesn't mean that – I mean, that that may mean that you're taking one guy from doubtful to questionable. You know what I mean? It could mean they're taking a guy from questionable to probable – it could mean they're taking a guy from questionable to, hey, he's definitely going to play now. We'll wait and see Saturday when they warm up. But I think there was a real concern by the end of that game. Not not with Brew McCoy, because Brew McCoy sat there with his helmet on pretty much begging them to put him back in the game for the entire second half. I mean, he was like, I'm, I'm fine. Let's go. I'm fine. Let's go. And they were like, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not going back in there. And he's like, uh, okay. So he eventually kind of – conceded that he'd lost the argument, but he was still standing next to the coaches like, hey, if you change your mind, I'm right here, bro. Like, he was ready to go. So I, I don't think Brew McCoy, I don't think there's any serious concern there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Some of those guys, most likely, a couple of them that y'all just mentioned, they're going to have to go through concussion protocol and all that, and we don't know uh, how that's gone. But I imagine with the way both those guys went down, they've gone through the protocol. That's a pretty safe assumption to make. So we'll see. Uh, and it's not like the old days where it's like, how many fingers am I holding up? And uh, no matter what number you say, you're like, okay, you're good. Yeah, go in there. I mean, obviously, it's much different these days, and it should be as scary as that CTE stuff is. Not, but I not think like back in the day good. where I was gonna say, you ever you ever see a replay of a game from the '90s uh, or, or even earlier, and you see them give a sideline report on injury, and they say he's got a mild concussion, he's questionable yeah. to return. My, 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 <laughs> my, mild concussion, questionable. Um, you know, and then there was times like before that, like in the '70s, where it's like he had a little heat stroke. Right now, he's sitting in an ice tub. We'll see if he's okay for the second half. Like you know, it's it's a little different uh, from from the way it used to be. And thank God for that. Um, but there's also some injury news for South Carolina. The Gamecocks have obviously had some issues up front for a lot of the season. I think they feel pretty good about getting a lot of those guys back this week, but they still might be starting two true freshmen on the offensive line. Uh, they've had some days only like seven offensive linemen available for practice, which being yeah, but one of them, one of them is named Tree, so he's probably pretty good. Yeah, and he is. He might be a literal tree because he's six five three thirty eight. Yeah, he's a large. He's a large mammal. Um, and well, not a large mammal. He's a large. Uh, tree apparently is what he is. He he's a large shrub which is turned into a tree. So th- they've got some bodies there, but they've had trouble organizing practice. Because if you've ever seen a team try to practice, remember practice? It's a thing we used to cover back in the day when you know you could actually see practice during the season, but we can't anymore, and that's just how it is. But regardless, you we've seen how teams have to change practices when they've got like seven offensive linemen or like five or six defensive linemen. It makes practice a pain. It's hard to get done what you need to get done. It affects a lot of things. That's something to watch out for on Saturday night. Uh, One thing that we don't have to watch out for because we already know is that Juice Wells, last year's All-SEC receiver, is not going to play. He's been dealing with a foot problem. He is not uh, going to play in this game. But uh, Xavier Leggett will be playing in this game, which um, could be problematic for Tennessee because he fast. 
he real fast. Uh, if he gets the ball uh, in his hands behind Tennessee secondary, you can go ahead and put six points on the board unless the turf monster gets him because Tennessee ain't catching him. Uh, if he gets behind them, he, he's gone. He, he's a really explosive player. Uh, and, and with the way Rattler is is performing and the fact that Leggett, who earlier in his career never really caught the football, now he's actually catching it so he can run with it, um, That that's that's trouble for Tennessee. Um, and, but the, the running back situation is what it is for South Carolina. It's not great. Um, the, one of the, the, the lowest-rated rushing teams in America. Got a former quarterback and wide receiver playing running back. Got a former Division II player playing running back for them. Uh, they well, they're they're not great there, but they're they're I, I, y'all disagree with me on this, and I, I that's fine because I want to hear I, the other side of it. I no, just no, I think they're booty cheeks running the ball. I, I was just gonna add this: I, their their longest run of the year by a running back is 16 yards. Uh, I was looking through their stats and noticed that their longest rush of the season is by Spencer Rattler, a 28 yarder. So that, that even, tells you. Let how, me how, let me let me one up you there, Ryan. They have eight <laughs> rushes of of uh, 10 plus yards, and seven of them by Rattler. Their their top running back, who's actually a true running back, is his longest run is nine. Um, the, it, and it, Mario Anderson is is his name. We should put some respect on his name. He's a Division two transfer from Newberry College, which is somewhere in South Carolina. He wasn't all American at that level. So yes. uh, I know Missouri brought in a guy who was a Division two All American, I think, and he's been an okay player for them. So uh, and to carry on, Joiner is is the quarterback slash receiver that is now playing running back. Um, their, their yards per carry numbers aren't great, but uh, they're big guys. I mean, I think Anderson's like 5'9", 208. Um, very Trevor Etienne-ish dimensions, low center of gravity. And then Joyner's like 6'1", 230. So these these guys are big. I, I You know, I don't know that Tennessee, South Carolina's going to ram it up between the tackles against Tennessee. I, that would seem like a bad so, part of the game plan for cause, me. Lost cause if they um, try that. But... You know those guys are. You're not gonna be able to arm tackle those guys for Tennessee, and that's something that you got to take from the Florida game when their run defense wasn't very good. But then the weird thing about last week's game: so South Carolina wins 37-30 against Mississippi State. Obviously, Spencer Rattler plays really well, 18 of 20. I think he hit his like first 16 passes or something like that. 288, three touchdowns. But then they ran the ball 44 times between Mario Anderson to carry on Joiner and, and Spencer Rattler. 26 carries for 88 yards for Mario Anderson, 10 for 24 for Joyner. So not very efficient, but they kept going to it. And it because because you what, can't you can't let Rattler just stand back there and get killed. Like well, you have to yes, you have to have balance. But, but we're talking about a more than two to one run to pass ratio in a game that they won 37 to 30. So just an interesting game play calling wise. I, I feel like at a certain point fans would be like, "What are we doing? We're throwing the ball." amazingly efficiently why not mix in a little bit more passing instead of continuing to just pound the ball for two yards at a time so i'm not sure what we'll see from from south carolina this week i get the sense that tennessee fans think based on the stats that south carolina is going to come in throwing the ball over the yard but i just wanted to throw that in there because they basically did the opposite last week and tried to run the ball the entire game well you got to protect the franchise you got to protect the franchise i think they were leading too i don't know how many of those runs came in the fourth quarter when they had a 10 point lead you look at Rattler, I think he threw 39 passes against North Carolina. They were trailing. I think he threw like 44 against Georgia. They were trailing for the, you know, they led at halftime, but Georgia came out and scored, you know, by the middle of the third quarter, Georgia was in front. So, you know, you're not really trying to run the clock out at that point. I, I just, I think that gets back to, and, and when you look at Tennessee's tackle for loss and sack numbers, uh, South Carolina's schedule to this point has been significantly tougher than Tennessee's. Uh, let's be real about that. But but Tennessee still is third nationally in sacks, fourth nationally in tackles for loss. Got a lot of guys who are creating havoc off the edge, and then Beasley is a very, very, very good blitzer for an inside linebacker, and he's really good at timing that and getting in there and, and making plays. Barron's had a lot of pressures. Pierce has had a lot of pressures. And, and despite not getting much at all from Harrison to this point, there's other guys that they've gotten some production from and we've seen Harrison in the past have games that, that were good games. So I think if you're South Carolina, you, you just you heard when Beamer was asked about that long, that 28-yard run that Rattler had, he kept saying repeatedly, I just wanted him to slide. I just wanted him to slide. I just wanted him to slide. They've got this entire thing is like placed on his shoulders. 
So they can't have him get hurt. That changes everything. So they have to run the ball because if they don't and they go back there and try to throw it 40, 50 times, he's going to get hit way too much for them to be comfortable with. Yeah, and to that point, I, I think Tennessee is I, – I've sensed a fair amount of, of confidence uh, from, from Tennessee this week that, that they are going to be able to, to slow down South Carolina's offense. I think they feel good about the matchup at the line of scrimmage with the, with the running game. I obviously there, there's reason to think you can stop South Carolina's running game. I, I think a lot of this game, I mean, it's, it tends, he's got to do some, they've got to do more offensibly, obviously than they did, they did against Florida. And, and it's hard to say what we can expect from their offense since their other three games are against subpar competition. Um, so they, they've got to score, uh, I think a good, a good number of points at least to, to win this game. Um, but I, I think a lot of this game is going to be decided by Tennessee's pass rush. How, how effective can they be with a four-man rush? If they blitz, will Spencer Rattler make them pay? And if they blitz, can they get there? I, I, I still have the <laughs> the images in my mind from last year. It seemed like without Jeremy Banks in that game, and obviously that was a whole subplot of its own, but without him, uh, one of their most effective blitzers at the linebacker position, it just seemed like they couldn't get to Rattler all night. They got close a bunch of times, and he just wiggle out of trouble, make a throw, make a play and keep the drive alive. And they just couldn't get a stop for their lives. So if Tennessee's pass rush is what we've seen from at the past few games, they, they probably win the game. You know, Tyler Barron, James Pierce, those guys have been good. Um, they've got to be good again. I think Tennessee's got to get pressure on Rattler and, and obviously has to, to contain him pretty well when he gets outside the pocket and, and, and can you know make a play with his legs. They've got to keep him from doing that and buying time for those guys to get open. If he has time to sit back there and, and, and find Leggett and, and other receivers, uh, it, he might have another field day. And, and the way he played last week suggests he's playing pretty well right now. So um, I, I think Tennessee's got to get some pressure on him and got to make him un- uncomfortable back there. And that's where you know it seems like that crowd noise could, could really help. It seems like when you get an offensive line rattled, as we saw with Tennessee at Florida, you, you can just sort of make it a a, a, a repetitive thing that that they just it, it's it's just an avalanche. You can't you can't get your feet underneath you because uh, it's just one play after another going against you, whether it's a penalty or a sack. So if Tennessee's pass rush is good, I, I think they've got a great chance of winning the game. If it's not, could be a long day with South Carolina's offense if, if Rattler looks anything close to what he looked like last week or especially last year's game. Yeah, Ryan, really quickly, my 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 subplot or my story of the game is, is a is – a, Slight variation of what you just said, and I'll kick it to Pat with this thought because I, I think for me the story of the game in my mind is that exact thing that you just mentioned, Ryan. But I have zero doubts that Tennessee's going to be in South Carolina's backfield a lot. Uh, I look at that matchup. I look at the way Tennessee is up front and, and with some of those blitzes with the linebackers. I look at what South Carolina is dealing with on the offensive line right now. I look at Neyland at night causing miscommunication uh, for South Carolina in some cases. No matter how simple they make it, there's going to be some communication issues at times. I, I have zero doubt that Tennessee is going to be in the backfield a lot. What I do have serious questions about is will that get Rattler on the ground? Because if, if you get back there, which they're going to be back there a lot, but if they get back there and they don't get Rattler on the ground and he's able to kind of step out of the pocket, wiggle out, kind of create time, he's going to have open guys downfield and he's going to make big plays out of it. Um, that, to me, is the story of the game. I know Tennessee's going to be back there, Pat, but I, I don't know how consistently they'll get him on the ground. And if you look at the difference, North Carolina got Rattler on the ground. Uh, Mississippi State did not, and that, to me, was the difference. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, if you're Tennessee, your 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 defense is banking on getting a lot of pressure, and and you're you're banking on it being not a twelfth man, but you know that Rattler's going to go against eleven players and a hundred thousand people yelling at him. I mean, yeah. um, that 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 can really, as Ryan said, get a, an offense and a quarterback off its game. To me, the big story of this game, I'm going to actually go to Tennessee's offense, and I know we you know. We're we're not past the point where we can't where you just don't worry about Tennessee's offense anymore. And uh, something that Josh Heupel talked about on Wednesday night on Vol calls, they've got to hit some of these downfield passes. Uh, and if worse comes to worse, and, and you let Rattler get hot and and he's throwing the ball all over the place, you're going to potentially have to match score for score with him. Um, and I, you know, kind of had an eye on the Mississippi State game last week while we were finishing up after yeah. Tennessee beat UTSA, but. Shoot, every time you look over, Mississippi State's got guys running wide open down the field. I mean, Tula yeah. Griffin had like 256 yards. Um, you know, this past defense, yeah, they've played Drake May, they've played Carson Beck, and and they've played Will Rogers, but 
Uh, Mississippi State looked inept on offense against LSU, and then Rodgers got in throws for 487 yards. So, um, you know, they, they, there's going to be guys open in this game. I think South Carolina's defensive mindset is to be aggressive, stop the run, try to hold up on the outside. Tennessee's always got guys running open. They've got to hit those plays. And, and as Heifel talked about on Wednesday night, sometimes Joe Milton's going to have to be accurate with the football better than he has. I thought he was uh, – I thought he missed some throws against UTSA. Uh, they they need the receivers to be uh, you know handle their end of the deal and, and make those plays when they're there and and I think the biggest key is the offensive line I mean we've seen plays if you've watched these games where Tennessee has a shot play dialed up but somebody breaks down in, in pass protection um, or even last week you know there's plays where Milton can't step into a throw because uh, he's getting hit or there's a you know the pockets too crowded around him so he, he he's got a guy with three steps behind a defender, but he can't step into the row um, because the pocket's that way. I think the the bad miss that he had to Squirrel White where he threw it well behind him, everybody looks at the throw and says, that guy stinks. He can't throw the ball right. He couldn't step into that throw because he got hit. Yeah. And, and people don't see that. And, and there's times where, um, you know, they just have breakdowns. And, and I think Milton is capable of moving away from pressure. But sometimes when you're having a throw flat-footed or you can't step into a throw, it, it obviously – no matter how strong your arm is, you're not going to be able to throw it as accurately 45 yards downfield if, if that's the case. So those are the big things to me because if uh, – I, I think Tennessee's crowd and, and Tennessee's defense is going to really get after South Carolina. Um, but, you know, if, if he's a, if Rattler's able to make a bunch of plays, you're going to have to match score for score for them potentially. And and you've got to take advantage of your matchup, uh, of your potential advantage, which is against the South Carolina secondary, which they lost two corners in the NFL. They're young at safety. Uh, you you got to make those plays that, that are going to be there regardless of who you're playing against. So that's the big thing to me to kind of add something to what you guys have been talking about, about how Tennessee's defense has to play. I think Tennessee's offense has to make some big plays because they're not going to be able to run it for 280, 290, 300 yards against South Carolina's defense. I don't think South Carolina's defense is great, but uh, it's just, you know, you're not going to open up those giant teams like you did against the, you know, the other three opponents that you ran the ball against. It's going to be more like Florida where, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to turn out some four and five yard games on the ground. You're not going to be able to hit 40 yard runs like you did last week. So uh, they've got to hit those big pass plays. And if, if they go from hitting two or three of them a game to hitting five or six of them, I mean, that's you're, you're looking at potentially a a difference and a pretty big difference in the score. So I think that's the big key for me in this game to, to add on to what you guys said about what Tennessee's defense has to do. I agree, and I think we've put our game discussion here at a pretty good place. Again, reminder, we're, we're going to have a uh, an episode that we put out, I guess it'll be Friday night, late Friday night, our, our game day preview podcast. We'll have uh, our good friend John Whittle from the Big Spur on there. We always like talking to John. He's a really good dude to talk to, uh, and he will give us the lowdown assessment. He He's a guy who will tell you straight up he's not – the, there's no tinted glasses there. Like he's going to tell you what is real in his opinion about South Carolina, and we'll have a fun discussion there for that podcast. But I think we're at a good place with team discussion here, so we'll end this one with a little bit of recruiting discussion. Ryan, the floor is yours. Tennessee has got um, a pretty big weekend coming up. Not like what the Georgia weekend is going to be. Not not, not quite not, not quite that uh, bonanza, but it looks like it's going to be a, a pretty pretty good weekend for Tennessee recruiting. It, it, it will be. And, and yeah, like you said, I think the Georgia game is, is probably going to set the bar for, for this season. Uh, and, and if Tennessee has a good year and, and maybe even if they lose a couple games between now and then, I, I think that one's got a chance to be as, as good of a visitor list as we've seen uh, for, for a Tennessee home game in, 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 in some time uh, because they, they had some some good visitor lists. I mean, last week, last year, Alabama game strong about as strong as you'll ever see that this one could be right up there with it uh if not better so we'll see how that one shapes up throughout the year but uh but definitely this weekend first first big visit weekend of the year a couple of official visitors scheduled to be in cameron michael uh the four-star wide receiver slash athlete you know he's really being recruited as a wide receiver by most teams georgia kind of being the exception you know maybe colorado talking a little bit a little bit of two-way athlete uh maybe down the road uh, but for the most yeah, part, he they wants. Got, to play they got receiver. one now. They have one now. So I mean, well, it, exactly. That's that's the pitch. So so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see about that. They they are talking at Colorado, starting him at receiver. It sounds like, and maybe letting him gradually work into a to a two way role. So it's definitely not a not a entirely pitch pitching him on that. But no doubt, an important visit there for for Tennessee. Uh, he's taken some official visits already over the summer. Uh, went to Colorado uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, has been to a couple games recently at South Carolina last week, at Florida the week before for the Tennessee game. 
Now we'll get to see Tennessee play again, this time at home. It's his first game at Neyland Stadium, so obviously a big deal for him to to experience that environment. I think he's always really liked Tennessee. Uh, he's been been on campus twice already this year. Balls, I, I think, have been one of the favorites in that one for for the past several months. And and Georgia, despite being the kind of the home state favorite in a lot of people's minds, and, and still the crystal ball favorite on twenty four seven sports. I don't know that that's the current indication of of where things really stand. I think Tennessee has as good a shot as anybody going into this weekend, and a, and a strong visit this weekend could put Tennessee in really good position going into his final two visits, uh, at least currently scheduled. Final two official visits are uh, Texas A&M next weekend, Kentucky at the end of October, coincidentally, for the Tennessee game again. Um, other official visitor, Daniel Hill, four-star running back out of Mississippi. That one's one where I think Tennessee clearly has some ground to make up. Hey, I've actually talked hung- to him, Ron. I've actually talked to him. He's one of the few I've, yeah. I've talked to in this class. That's right, you have. <laughs> so... Uh, so that that's one where Tennessee has some some ground to make up. I think going into this weekend, it's been Alabama and South Carolina for a while, and and more recently maybe Alabama. He's already been to Alabama for two games this season, uh, and, and we'll you know we'll we'll see if he goes back there again before making a decision. But either way, I think the assumption is that Alabama's in pretty good position right now. South Carolina was the favorite for a long time over the summer. You know now there's a little more concern. I think about whether South Carolina can. Uh, can hold on or whether Alabama has overtaken the Gamecocks, uh, at least temporarily. He'll probably go to a game at South Carolina, it sounds like, before making a final decision. But but this is a big chance for Tennessee to maybe make a move as they look for a possible second running back in this class to go along with four-star Peyton Lewis out of Virginia. Uh, it's kind of all eyes on Daniel Hill at this point. He, he's been the only name left on the running back board. I don't think they're dead set on taking a second running back in this class, but if they can get Daniel Hill, they'll be happy to take him. Uh, to go along with Peyton Lewis, and that'd be a nice, nice tandem together. But Tennessee again has some work to do there. Big opportunity to see if they can close the gap on those uh, two longtime front runners. Some big time twenty twenty five uh, targets in town. Uh, Jonte Gilbert, highly ranked defensive back out of Georgia. We've mentioned uh, that, that he'll be in town. Eric Winters, a highly ranked uh, linebacker out of Alabama, making his first trip to Tennessee this weekend. La Mason Waller, a highly ranked receiver from California, coming in for his first visit to Tennessee. Um, so, so lot, lots of guys like that coming in from from really across the country uh, and, and some in-state targets as well. Um, you know, so, some guys that uh, Tennessee's had on campus multiple times, but getting them back in town, um, such as Jared Curtis, the the highly ranked quarterback in the 2026 class, uh, currently the number two player in, in 24-7 sports rankings for the 2020, uh, 2026 class. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, a lot of big-time guys coming in this weekend should be a good turnout, and we'll uh, very shortly have a, have a full list up at govals247.com of the uh, of the names we've confirmed to this point. But it uh, should be a strong weekend and uh, and a big chance for Tennessee to showcase what they're expecting to, as we mentioned earlier, be a very electric environment. If, if the game day environment is what, what they expect it to be, uh, I, I think all those guys in, in attendance for the game will be coming away talking about that win or lose. And that's that's the bottom line. I always say, you know, the results of these games, not, not usually the most important thing. It's about showcasing your environment what everything the, the program has to offer. A lot of these guys will be seeing it for the first time. So um, if Tennessee puts on a good show in, just in the stands, um, what, what happens on the field can, can kind of be secondary a little bit as long as it's not a complete disaster. So um, should be a good weekend for Tennessee, and we'll obviously have it all covered for you on GoVols247.com, but definitely some, some big names in town and some important guys in the 2024 class who now include Jordan Seaton, uh, one of the top offensive linemen in the 2024 class. That was reported Wednesday night. Uh, he's an unofficial visitor, so big news there for Tennessee that they maybe get a chance to take uh, to get an official visit uh, later on if this one goes well. But his first time in Knoxville, um, that's that's probably the the headliner of the weekend in a lot of people's eyes with Tennessee needing some offensive line help. Yes. Big, big time player from IMG Academy, originally from Washington D.C., but uh, certainly one that Tennessee is hoping to to make a move with there. I think Florida and Alabama probably among the top contenders right now. Um, but after. He originally was planned to go to uh, scheduled to go to Oklahoma this weekend on official visit. Now going to Tennessee instead unofficially. That's a big development. We'll see if Tennessee can take full advantage of that and, and make a move with Jordan Seaton. That's that's definitely one people will be watching closely this weekend to see if the balls can can make a move. There you go. the The table is set. Balls don't blow it. Just don't blow it. That, that I think that's the that's the main key, right? That's the main thing. Don't screw it up. You got a you got a big weekend here. You got a lot of people in town. Uh, you got a lot of fans here looking for blood. It's uh, they're going to get blood one way or the other. It's going to be Tennessee or South Carolina. Like when the crowd comes for blood, they're going to leave with blood. It just depends on which way it goes, right? 
That's what I've been saying about this game. It's, you know, we saw South Carolina fans kind of miserable after they lost to North Carolina. Tennessee fans were pretty upset after the loss to Florida. Whichever team loses this one, there's there's going to be blood. <laughs> they're yeah. not going to be happy. And whichever team wins, they're going to feel like their season has has new life. Yeah, but we should say that the, uh, you know, if, they, if Tennessee did lose this game, it's not like all these recruits are not going to come to Tennessee or. Oh, yeah. The recruiting class is going to get, you know, everybody's going to bail. Like, everybody. Fans react to one game a lot more than recruits do, right, Ryan? You always say that. Oh. Always, you have to talk people off ledges. At Absolutely, times. kids have the yep. memories of goldfish, and uh, fans and adults have the the memories of elephants. That would be probably the difference to me. Well, and, and and I think and I think most most play, uh, players realize Tennessee still has a bright future, no matter what happens. This, you know, if they go eight and four versus nine and three, I don't think. Players are going to be down on, on Tennessee, you know, compared to what they thought going into the season. They know Nico Iamaliava is still the future at quarterback, bright future there, talent on the way at virtually every position. You know, there, there's there's a lot more to, to go on than beyond just what they see on the field this season. So, I, I yeah, to your point, definitely don't think players uh, or the, the recruits in attendance are going to be freaking out one way or the other about this game. You know, guys like Mike Matthews, who visited Tennessee for the Alabama game last year, they remember that experience. Uh, as much as what Tennessee did overall last season. They, a lot of those guys probably couldn't even tell you how many games Tennessee won last year, but they know they had an awesome time storming the field for the Tennessee-Alabama game. So it's that kind of thing that sticks with players for a long time. So show them a good time. Give them an, an environment like they've never seen before. The, the weekend will be a win from a recruiting standpoint. Yep, they just have to deal with Ryan in the recruiting process. That's the only part that really just kind of sucks about it, but they they, That's it. they managed to get through it. Guys, thanks for being here. I know we, we've got we've all got a lot going on this week. Uh, there's there's plenty to do, uh, but uh, this was one thing we needed to get recorded, and I'm glad we did because we had a good discussion about what should be a big weekend for, for Tennessee e- either way. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Wes. Bye, Wes. Go Braves. Ugh. There's that button. And now I can say... Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. 
less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.